You are listening to the Versus Node podcast, where we are ready for the next generation. Welcome to the Versus Node podcast, episode 32. I'm your host, Edward Inzotto, and I'm here with the Gamer Node crew, part of the Gamer Node crew. I have with me Dan Crabtree, Hello. Jason Finelli, Yo. and Anthony LaBella. Hello. How are you guys? Good. No, I <laughs> yeah. thought we were doing a unison thing. Okay. <laughs> Bad. Oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> Still feeling great. <laughs> Damn. So, everybody doing good? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Doing good. Nice, nice. You ready to talk about this console generation, this longest console generation in the history of console generations? History yeah, of video games. I don't know. <laughs> Is it yes. really? Is it really the longest one? Uh, it's, How many years uh, are we going eight on? Years. Eight? Yeah, five, 2005 was 360, so. What was, yeah. the, what was the length End of time of between Nintendo and Super Nintendo? Uh, yeah, I guess it wasn't that long, was it? It was hmm. about six years. Or maybe seven. You're right. This is the Wow. Wow. Yeah, so been uh, a while. we've wow. been going since November 22nd, 2005, the release right. of the Xbox 360. That is and right. We are all the way in 2013 now. Well, I mean, it depends, really, because the Wii U came out last, last year. Right. So does that that's sort of it's kind of weird how we're all lumping it together for this time period, even though the Wii U came out already. But I guess when you have them, all three of them out at one time, we can kind of consider that. The Wii U library is not even close to sure. know, full strength yet, so I'm not sure it's worth including in the argument, right? Mm. Not yet. They just they just needed a head start for to work out the kinks, I guess. <laughs> to work out the friend codes. <laughs> you know how you have you have video game franchises and they'll release like a couple of games in one console generation. Right. That's what I feel like the Wii is. I feel like the Wii and the Wii U are two iterations of the same console franchise in the same console generation. Yes. But I don't know. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's it. They're taking a weird route. I feel like you know Sony and Microsoft are doing a much more traditional console uh, upgrade each time, but. None of that really matters right now. Um, what we're here to talk about are the most overrated and the most underrated video games of the past console generation. And this is spanning all of those eight years. And, and we're mainly focusing on the, uh, the big three home consoles. And this is going to be the first in a much larger and longer running series here on Versus Node about the previous console generation as we move into uh, the future um, of the Xbox One and the PS4. So here we are, overrated and underrated. Some of the most fun things to talk about, I think, in gaming. Great to complain about and argue about, and that's pretty much what we're going to do. So before we get started with that, I, I think the best thing to do is to uh, talk about our criteria for describing overrated and underrated. How do we choose what overrated and underrated mean? And I think for, for each of us, it might be slightly different. So I'm just going to go through and ask each of you how you came to your choices, starting with Anthony. Yeah, so we obviously have critic reviews or reception in that area, which I did consider 
but I also factored in uh, sales and word of mouth. So I had some games on my list that perhaps were well-received um, that probably aren't technically underrated, but maybe underappreciated is a better word. But it's because they didn't sell a lot, and you didn't see a lot of people playing them, and there are more cult hits if you had to uh, put some kind of term on it rather than an actual hit, things like that. So a lot of my entries, uh, sales definitely played a, a big role, but critic reviews, obviously, and then word of mouth from just people playing them and talking about them online and stuff like that. Okay, so how does that work for your overrated games? Oh, I guess overrated... Actually... That probably applies almost exclusively to underrated. Because for overrated, I guess... Well, I won't go into my choices specifically, but there was one entry or one series in general that you know, the popularity definitely factored in. But a lot of that was, was probably critical acclaim when I was trying to think of overrated games. Because it's a lot easier to, to use that when you're trying to figure out what's overrated, I think. It's, I, I think it also matters tremendously who you listen to, like who bends sure. your ear most when it comes to video games. Yeah. Um, which, if I can insert my criteria here, it's mostly the game critic community. And so I based it my decisions less on like, hey, you know, it sold this many units or, you know, was a console seller or whatever it was. Um, but more on like, oh, well, I, kn- I happen to know that a lot of people regard this game highly. It's my perceived perceptions this insular zeitgeist surrounding each game zeitgeist do i do i get pretension points for saying zeitgeist good word. <laughs> always That's good. A good word um i based my criteria on the fact that i spent the bulk of this console generation on the front lines of gaming retail so I remember a lot of what people talked about what they were really excited for the games that kind of lasted throughout all of my time in that in that arena and how my own person, I guess I, my own personal reactions to those games were. So a lot of the games on my underrated list are things that people didn't really get into and they should have, in my opinion, they're very good games that people just didn't play or ignored um, in my, in my scenario. And then the overrated ones are the ones that people tore their friggin' hair out about. And I just didn't get it. Okay. All right, so it sounds like we have like a, a pretty good um, range of, of reasons behind why we're rating these games, you know, overrated or underrated. These are people tearing their hair out for reasons of joy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They, they wanted to lose their hair because yeah, they were they, so happy. To yeah. be more uh, aerodynamic, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So they could run toward faster, the games to faster. The game. <laughs> um, so, so my reasons uh, were based... More, I'd say, on on critical reception because I don't I don't generally have tons of uh, gamer friends uh, aside from you know guys who are say video game critics. Um, so it's a lot of lot of uh, the ratings, the hard numbers, um, Twitter conversation, just general you know what I hear. I guess I I also considered uh, sales. Uh, slightly, or what what I perceived sales to be, what I perceived um, the the general gaming public to to have um, backed the most, and in a few cases, I found that that perception was incorrect. But I still thought that you know the games may have been 
too highly rated or, or not ra highly rated enough. All right, so those are our different ways of determining what's overrated and what's underrated, and we're going to hope to cover this console generation as well as we can. Let's go ahead and start with overrated games. Um, we have a lot to talk about and less time to do it, so Anthony, give us your first overrated game of this generation. All right, well, I'm going to try to start out with with the big name on my list for overrated games. It's a, it's a game where it kind of uses a, a few different factors like what we talked about. So got plenty of critical acclaim, pretty sure it sold well. A lot of people talked about it. And that was Portal, the original first Portal, uh, 2007, I believe it came out. And I just, I didn't, I didn't really see all the appeal. So, you know, I played through it and... I guess I guess the two main things that people really love about Portal, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we have the humor and writing. So you have this memorable character, GLaDOS, and a lot of the very dark things she says are very funny. It's this dark humor. Uh, a lot of jokes in there. You have Cake is a Lie, which people loved, and stuff like that. And then on the other end, you have this inventive gameplay. You have this mechanic where you're creating portals, and you're going through these portals to solve puzzles, and it's this incredibly unique and innovative mechanic that a lot of people latched onto. And I feel like I agree with that more than I do with the humorous writing, if that makes any sense. So I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't laugh at a few things. Obviously, there were some funny jokes and some funny lines in that game, but I didn't really see it as particularly funny. I didn't see a lot of the lines as particularly clever. I thought GLaDOS was a great character, but I felt like a lot of that was because of the voice acting. Uh, the name escapes me, the woman who did the voice of GLaDOS, but, I mean, she does a fantastic job. And then, Ellen McLean? The, yeah, there yep. you go, Ellen McLean. Yeah, she does a fantastic job as GLaDOS. And then on the other end, you have this inventive gameplay, which I wholeheartedly agree is great. But then I think about when I played it and how I breezed through probably 90% of that game with pretty much no trouble at all. So you had this unique mechanic that made an impression on people, but I didn't feel like I got to use it a whole lot for most of the game because the puzzles were so easy. And then you get to the end, the last few handful of puzzles, and then you really see the potential of this game. So I felt like I only saw the potential of Portal by the time I got to the last quarter or so of the game, even less than that. And the rest of it was just... Here's what we could do, and if you give us a chance to do more, it'll be great. And then Portal 2 came out, and I adore Portal 2. I absolutely love Portal 2. That was my personal game of the year for 2011. So I felt like Portal was more a way for them to show what we could do if we had more time, more resources, if it were a bigger product. Because as you remember, this was part of the orange box. So it, I'm pretty sure it came out by itself, too, at some point afterwards, right? Mm. Well, obviously it did, but... But at first it was in the orange box, so it was part of this larger product. It felt like a test case. Let's see how this pans out. And in that sense, I think it's great. But I don't think it deserves all the acclaim because it had an interesting mechanic in there that didn't feel like it was utilized entirely the whole time. So, so those are the problems I had with Portal. The first one is more of a taste thing, I guess, how I perceived the writing and whether I thought it was funny. But, but the actual gameplay is what I really have a hard time understanding why people latched onto that so much. I think you're just smarter 
than other folks. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I had like a really difficult time halfway through the game. I had to really put a ton of mental effort into phys- figuring out huh. the physics puzzles. Okay, that's why I liked it because I felt challenged the whole time. So I've not I've not heard someone before say, "Oh yeah, this, what a." simple easy and, game and i should say i don't i don't consider myself great at puzzle games like i i get stuck a lot i i got stuck a lot on braid i just the swapper this year i had trouble with quite a few puzzles in that so so per, perhaps it's just the way portal presents its puzzles and this you know the specific things in that game that i'm perhaps better at because yeah you're saying you're saying you felt like the difficulty curve wasn't as lopsided as i might think Mm. Well, do you, I mean, do you use portals in your real life? Are you, are you <laughs> well, yeah, all the time. Them? I have my portal gun right here. Yeah, I think that that, that plays in. Edge, yeah. I think so. <laughs> I, I, I could see the argument there, and, and I think it's a fair one because it was a test case, totally. Sure. It was a, a student project that Valve picked up and said, hey, we'll make a, a mini game, basically, of this. Um, I think that's one of the things that I like most about it, though. To, to rebut is that it respects my time as much as it does that it is willing to sort of have a cliffhanger in terms of potential that it's not given up the ghost right away yeah uh, and, and and I do think that they realized a ton of that potential in portal too awesome that doesn't mean they have to do that at the at the outset I don't think right sure I want to jump on to that whole difficulty thing because while while it may have been you know, easy or difficult for whoever's playing it. I, I kind of remember running through it pretty quickly, too. But for me, it wasn't so much about being a puzzle game as it was about exploring what this mechanic can do. So I, I kind of approached it less with the mindset that this was a, a series of puzzles to to be conquered and more like a, a series of situations in which to use portals in interesting ways. Um, and these are the different ways you can do it, and I want to see the next way I can do it. And I and I also did, really. Uh, I like the characters. But that yeah, might I, be... I'm, I'm right there I'm right there with you. I, um, I feel like Portal is less a game of puzzles and more a game of discovery. Like you're discovering different ways to use this mechanic to your advantage, first with just the one portal, and then you get the second one, which throws a whole new element in there. Um, when I played it, I'm with Dan. There was a couple of times where I was really having trouble. So you guys must be brainiacs or something. <laughs> um, but I, I remember this sense of awe when I finally figured something out and being like, wow, that was cool. And then every time I, f- I figured a puzzle out, unless it was crazy easy, I was always like, wow. Like this one in particular that sticks out to me is you have to shoot a portal – on a platform over on the right, and then below you, jump into one, come out of the other, and then shoot the color you jumped into onto the next platform. It's like going up a staircase, but it's the momentum of falling through a portal is what's making you go up this area. Yeah. It's, towards, it's towards the end. And I remember doing that and being like, that's, that's insane. The yeah, the momentum thing especially. Yeah, momentum, I can say... That is the one thing that kind of blew me away, the, the puzzles where you had to gain momentum and make these portals as you're falling. That's, that's, I feel like that's the one time in that game where I, where I actually thought, holy crap, this is kind of amazing. I felt like the novelty of the mechanic wasn't as strong for me as a lot of people. But when I, that moment specifically, I, I feel like if they had captured that moment 
more throughout the entire game, which I felt like they did with the Portal 2. So, as I said, Portal 2, I feel like they do what they wanted to do with the first Portal. And Dan makes a good point. You don't... I mean, this is a first thing. You're not supposed to get it completely right the first time. That's why you have a sequel to work on things and implement new things. But I just... Every time I was playing Portal 2, I thought to myself, man, this is it right here. This is what they wanted to do with Portal and that I didn't understand. And holy crap, these mechanics are are unique and fun and I'm excited every minute I'm playing it and then I felt like that carried over to the co-op which I think is even better than the single player when you when you factor in the things you have to work together to do and I felt like that magic that people felt the first game had in that area was in the second game and not the first and definitely the paint the gel had a lot to do with that that, that was probably my, one of my favorite things about that game so here the we're kind of getting the feeling that the overrated label comes more from the way that people kind of just flipped out uh, yeah, over portal it's a good game yeah. i don't dislike portal no way but Absolutely. people went but, people yeah, went crazy people went crazy about it, that game. it was rated uh 90 percent overall aggregate uh sold 2.81 million copies just as part of the orange box and who knows right. digitally these are, are rough numbers off vg charts so Probably many millions more than that. Yeah. Um, they have the whole cake is a lie mean thing. Yeah, and the song, all that got stuff. Tired of the lead writer, so. I actually am sort of with you on this one because just Portal had like a personal affront against me because it came out in 2007 with the Orange Box, and here on Gamer Node we had our annual Nodi Awards. It was one of the first years, and I was all about Bioshock. And Portal was our game of the year in 2007, uh, and we, oh. you know, we we did it democratically. And <laughs> I just, I hated everyone. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was such a year. All right, so let's let's get moving on. Uh, I guess Jason, give us give us your next one. Okay, my overrated game. Um, this is probably a little more personal because I knew some people who lost their minds over this game, and I just didn't understand it. It is Dragon Age Origins, if Eddie would like to give the stats on that. So currently, that's rated at 88% overall Metascore and 4.42 million copies sold. Which is which is good for them. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Bioware deserves every game they sell. But for me, I come from the school of either JRPGs or full-on action RPGs like Kingdom Hearts. That's where I grew up on. I didn't grow up on the... PC RPG, let's call it, like the Baldur's Gate or something like that. So the mechanic of directing your squad at an enemy and then they walk up and attack like like continuously until that enemy is dead was completely foreign to me. And I thought with Dragon Age Origins, it would be the one that would get me into that and it, it didn't work. The fact that a guy on screen can swing his sword at an enemy Make contact with the enemy, and yet it says "miss." Pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, so you're you're not interested in that sort of representative play where it's where it's basically trying to be real time, but it's still using the rules of turn based. Exactly. Now, the characters. Everyone likes Morgan. I'm okay with Morgan, but everybody else just seemed bland. Like you had the debonair elf guy. Who like I think was the the one you could be gay with that and the other guy Alistair who ended up I, I I'm not even I don't, I don't even quite remember because I didn't care the only one I remember vividly is the one who just said enchantment over and over again 
Like the Hod- the Hodor of Dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enchantment? Enchantment. That guy was cool. Everybody else, I, I forgot about them. And, the, and my dog. The dog was having a dog was cool in my party. But I just I didn't get it. I didn't yeah. for a Bioware story, it didn't interest me. Um, my three main components for a game are story, gameplay, and graphics in that order of importance. Story didn't interest me in the least. The gameplay turned me off because it, it wasn't what I was used to and it wasn't the right way to get into it. It wasn't the right game to vault me like I thought it would be. And graphics were, you know, normal. Uh, Oblivion probably had better mm. at the time. I just I, – it, it didn't click with me and I really kind of hoped it would because yeah. I read – the summer before, I read the um, intro novel and I, I thought that was really cool. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And I, by the time I started, I was just like, nah, yeah. no way. I think Anthony uh, yeah. chose this game as well. So I was I'd going. Like I was that. going to add to this discussion, but then we just learned that Jason can read people's minds because he just went in my head and took <laughs> all the thoughts out and and said them out loud because <laughs> you could not explain better how I felt about that game, especially which this may be you know our personal thing because I'm right there with you in terms of these old '90s PC RPGs like Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate Two, Neverwinter Nights. That system of gameplay, which I missed out on, I didn't play those games, and I thought to myself, Dragon Age, like you said, Dragon Age is the game that will present this to me, it's new, I can play it, I'll understand why people love those games, and I just, I didn't enjoy doing that. I didn't enjoy pausing and and making my characters do things, and, and not having the direct control, and especially so on the console versions, though I did play it on PC, so I had, I had best of both worlds. And I just, I didn't see the appeal of that kind of game. And the world and the characters weren't interesting enough to overcome that main problem. So, like Jason said, I thought the characters were bland. I thought the world was very, I don't know, I don't know if cliche is the right word, but very generic or what you'd expect of a fantasy world. It didn't feel like there was anything unique or meaningful in that world to me. I agree. And, and yeah, at the end of the day... It was a well-made game, and I understand why people love it. It's not one of those where I don't understand why people love it, but it just didn't click with me in any way at all. Oh, man, this is making me so sad because um, I kind of I kind of agree with what you're saying, and I also had a problem with some of the dialogue, just the, you know, that whole style of let's choose each of these five <laughs> dialogue choices and just run through them and then come back. You know, it's, you know, people say, oh, all the dialogue, it's so cool, but it's really just going through a list until it's exhausted. It's not, you know, an advanced dialogue system like we're, we're starting to get into now. But um, I actually bought this game, uh, got rid of it, because I started playing, didn't really continue for whatever reason. I guess I, you know, didn't like it enough. Uh, got rid of the game, and then I picked it up recently for like $5, because thinking, okay, I mean, I know this is supposed to be a really good game, and I even I even like this style of game. I like fantasy, and I grew up playing, you know, I, I've played tabletop RPGs and like this whole Western style, and I was so into Knights of the Old Republic, which is, you know, where th- this uh, Bioware sort of RPG has evolved from. And now I still have yet to, to put it back into my PS3, <laughs> and it's just sitting there. So there must be some thing about, you know, how good it's supposed to be and how good it actually is when I when it really comes down to it. So I Here's kinda, a question. Yeah. Uh, is, you mentioned uh, Star Wars Knights of the Republic. Is it weird that I absolutely love 
KOTOR, but I just don't like Dragon Age because, like you said, it's kind of where, almost like a foundation of sorts, where you could see them moving from that to Dragon Age eventually with a new setting and similar thing in that you can pause the action and and queue up commands and have your characters do things. But there's just something about the more direct control maybe in KOTOR or I obviously I'm a Star Wars fan so I just inherently found the world more interesting and I thought the way they put their own mark on the Star Wars world and and it just felt so generic compared to Dragon Dragon Age feels so generic. It feels like I don't know if it's like lack of personality or, or I think some, I think that's you know? really what it is. I think yeah. it's it's a personality thing. Like I does, I disagree. Does, does, does. I think I think it has so much to do with what you were saying Anthony that you were already a Star Wars fan. It has so okay. much to do with the sure. buy-in. Well, I don't know about that cuz I am so not a Star Wars fan. I kind of hate Star Wars, but I love Knights of the Old Republic and that whole story and the okay, world well, presented in the for, Old Republic. For whatever reason, you have you bought into Kotor's world, whether yeah, you're right. a Star Wars fan or you bought into it because you you thought it was interesting. I bought into Dragon Age's world. I agree with you that it's it uh, follows the trope of a medieval fantasy setting. Um, but I think it did it well. I don't think that there's anything wrong with recreating a medieval fantasy world well. And so I bought into it, and because I bought into it, everything else fell into place. Was there a hump that you had to get over? And Jason and Anthony, did you guys stop playing at a certain point, or did you finish the game? So that's a question for all of you. Game. I okay. have not finished the year. I probably yes. played around 30 Maybe oh, under so, 30 so hours. you would have so, been over whatever hump there may have been. Yeah, I, I feel like I gave it the time it needed to grab me, and it just wasn't doing it. Okay, 20 hours, not much, not much less than Anthony. And I just, there was a part where I kept having to do the same exact thing over again. Like I kept, I kept going on a certain path and getting stopped in the middle of the path and getting destroyed. And I don't know why I was getting destroyed, but I was. was like, because you were weak. <laughs> and then I, and then when I, and then when I finally beat it, I kept going, and then I just stopped caring. Okay. And Dan, <laughs> did you feel like there was that there was a hump that you had to get over, or were you were you like sold from the beginning? Uh, no, there was a hump for sure. I, I I was not sold right out. I think it was for me the the character interactions, believe it or not, mm. that uh, that I enjoyed. I I would not go so far as to say I think the dialogue was well well written. Um, I, I was one of those players who, when I played that game, I sort of did what the opposite of what I normally do, uh, which is I played as just like the most evil character I could, could be. And that made that game insanely fun. That's what I did at Knights of the Old Republic. (laughs) Yeah. It made it a lot of fun because now, now you're just, it's, it's medieval GTA, right? (laughs) Um, it sold me. Maybe I should go back and play it again. Yeah. There's a conversation there because (laughs) Anthony what did you play? Oh, as in terms of like good my, or evil, uh, good or evil. Yeah, I tr- I played it pretty straight. I didn't really, I wasn't really an asshole to anyone or anything. Me like too. That. I maybe yeah. that's the problem. Maybe, it was yeah. just boring. That's it. That's you it. made you it boring. You have to do that. It's your fault. Whatever <laughs> is wrong. Just try it again. It's your agency. All right, we're gonna have to do like a let's play and everyone get back into. It. Anyway, okay, let's move on. We're gonna get stuck on each game, so um. Whose turn would it be? Let's go with Dan. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll go ahead and say Rock Band. 
Rock band. Get rock band. 91% overall Metascore and about 5.52 million copies of the original and 25.65 million wow. copies in oh, the series man. of all the rock band stuff. Far, far be it for me to say that the game is, is not wonderful in, in its own right and has taught people to transition into learning an instrument. Um, and I, you know, I don't play drums, but I love doing the drums in rock band. Uh, I love when people make a fool of themselves trying to sing in rock band. How wonderful <laughs> is that? Uh, fantastic for parties. It just wasn't the first one. That that's my beef. Is yeah. is that when it came out, it was like, what? You can do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we've been doing it since last gen. gen. <laughs> uh, and you know, the the revelation there was that they added uh, other instruments. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that just felt like it was an obvious progression and. To me, it wasn't so revelatory as Guitar Hero, which was like when that came out, that's all any of my friends wanted to play for like a year. Mm. Go over to someone's house, boom, Guitar Hero. Rock Band comes out, eh, now everyone stops kind of playing because they're like, oh, we're going this direction. Now you got to be like a musical savant to survive in the video game music world. Go over to someone's house and they're like, hey, all of a sudden now you have to play drums. Like, I don't play drums. (laughs) So... No, yeah, see, I, I, I'm yeah, with you on that. I think I think that um, there's an argument that can be made that Rock Band was the catalyst of the ruination of the music genre. Uh. Be- because if Rock Band hadn't introduced the rest of the instruments, Guitar Hero would have stuck to guitars, because that's what it's called, just made the guitar part more complicated and added more complicated guitar songs, like they did for 1, 2, and 3. And then there's like, shit, Rock Band's popular. Gotta make World Tour with all the instruments. And that's where the <laughs> wheels fell off. But wait, didn't Harmonix conceptualize Guitar Hero and then move away from Activision and then conceptualize Rock Band? It was it was um, Harmonix and Red Octane came together. Oh, Red Octane that's for right. Guitar Hero one and two, and then Activision bought Red Octane. MTV Games, a division of EA, bought Rock bought Harmonix, and Red Octane kept Guitar Hero. Harmonix mm-hmm. made their own thing. Okay. So I guess you could blame Activision. <laughs> As everyone wants to oh, do, sure. because, do they, because they bought no that octane. Okay. No, I, I think like anything, you do it enough times and it gets boring. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of I, I, I feel like it might have happened anyway, even if all of that didn't go down. Because that might have also been the towards that. Yeah. But I think that the... I, I had just played it enough at that point. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, I've done the guitar thing, and then guitar or rock band came along, and I was like, <laughs> okay, guys. All right, no, really, that's enough. But, yeah. then, but then everyone in the world decided that at the same time. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. even with the instruments, it just got – we were just done. We were done. We had enough. I'm glad that Harmonix has continued to develop the idea though, right? And that they're saying – you know, they're not just like, hey, let's keep doing more rock band packs. They're like, yeah, Dance Central. Yeah, uh, what's the thing with Disney now? Fantasia. Fantasia, yeah. that. I, I'm glad that they're not just trying to stick with that. Uh, but – the, the, my my point remains that I think Rock Band received a little too high reward for uh, mm-hmm. for its timing. Yeah, it's like oh someone God. came by with a roast beef sandwich. They're like, "Here's here's a roast beef sandwich." And you're like, "Oh, that's so good, that's so good." And someone else comes by and like, "Oh, look what I just made this roast beef sandwich." And then you're like, "Holy shit, it's the best thing I ever had!" <laughs> you could dip that in horseradish, dog. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's the same. They just did that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one that's sort of I don't know it's contentious. <laughs> um, so GTA Four, 
Uh, it's a great game. It sold 20.98 million copies, and it, it's got a meta score of around 98%. And right there, that's that's the thing, yeah. is that 98%. I even wrote about this when it came out. Uh, there was an article here on Gamernode uh, called Holy Grail, where I was just saying, okay, yeah, it's a great game, but don't flip out. Like, don't go crazy here. It's GTA 3 with, like, better graphics and and maybe a more serious story. Still a great game, but but people are, are just overreacting at this point. That That's just the way I see that one. How do yeah, you get... it's like, it's, it's try to think of the leap from San Andreas to GTA 4. Is it is it really that mind-blowing? Is it really that revolutionary or or incredible or any superlative word you want to throw at it? Is it really that much better that, that we had to go crazy about it? Because I agree. Because I, when I first played it, I enjoyed it a lot. But then I played it, you know, a year, within the past year maybe, and I thought to myself, man, this, this doesn't hold up as well as I thought it would. And, yeah, we probably overreacted when it came out because it's... I still, I mean, I still love San Andreas. San Andreas is still my favorite in the series, and I don't think the transition from that game to GTA 4 was hugely different, except for you mentioned the serious storyline, yeah. which I did appreciate, but I also kind of missed the silliness, which it feels like GTA 5 might be getting back to. So there's those things too. Mm. And, it, I mean, I say the the critical reception was, was super... Superlative, I guess. Um, but also, people, just just gamers in general around that time, felt like they were also on that hype train. And I mean, obviously, sales numbers kind of kind of uh, reveal that that may be the case. Grand Theft Auto is just—it's a big, it's a popular series. It's going to sell gangbusters anyway, and people are going to go crazy about it, like five. But I feel like I feel like they conceptualized most of the stuff we're going to see in five first and realized at the time that there were some limitations and they wouldn't be able to pull off what they want to do, but they still had to get a grand theft auto out there. Could you imagine if grand theft auto four was coming out this year? And yeah. they never made Man with the extra time. Yeah. Right. Could you imagine that people will be tearing their frigging hair out for another grand theft auto game? <laughs> sure. Sure. But for me, grand theft auto made me angry because well, in any grand theft auto game, I can't drive for shit. So that that always made, pissed me off because you do the car chases and before I know it, the gang is like the gang member I'm chasing is three blocks down around the corner and I'm upside down next to a fire hydrant. But, um, <laughs> but for me, it was all Grand Theft Auto 4 was was the PS2 Grand Theft Autos with real life in it. We have to go hang out with our buddies sometimes. Or oh, go right. the girls Roman sometimes. wants to go bowling. So put Fuck down everything Roman. you're doing and go bowling. I'm because, not playing this you know. game to go bowling. I'm playing this game to play Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I'm here to, you know, take down rival gangs and shoot. Hey, cousin! You yeah, I don't, I don't talk to him. Like, oh, shut up, bro. Little Please. Jacob, I'm not interested in getting drunk at the moment. <laughs> and girlfriend, whichever girlfriend you chose, just leave me alone. You know? <laughs> I think maybe we should see other people. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I, I felt like there was too much real life. I have a city to take by storm here. Right. I don't, I'm not, I, don't, I don't need to be held back by, you know, taking you to dinner. <laughs> Which in no way reflects my feelings of real life. <laughs> put, put that out there. <laughs> but you know, I had a friend who um, bought an Xbox 360 just for the purpose of playing Grand Theft Auto uh, 4. And he, and he did not ever play any of the missions either. He had me play the missions to a certain point in the game so that I could unlock the three islands 
and then he would just put in the cheat codes and fly around and um, and just destroy people. You know, that's how he plays the game. And and after and he played and he played that game first. Okay, played uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas afterwards after he had bought the 360 and everything uh, and was blown away, fell in love with that game, hasn't touched Grand Theft Auto 4 since. Uh, so for so for what it's worth, people who play the game wrong, who, who, only, <laughs> who will only interact with the game in its most opulent and disgusting freedom uh, of just killing everything and anyone in whatever way that you can imagine... Those folks preferred San Andreas, even, um, because of the lack of reality to it, because there was there was a less of a barrier there of, you know, oh, well, you, uh, like for example, you couldn't uh, fly a plane in Grand Theft Auto Four. You couldn't remember the jetpack in San Andreas. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's none that of that, awesome. right? Yeah. That so awesome. yeah, that's sort silliness. of grounded that, it. That's that right. Craziness, yeah. Is missing. I miss it. I want it back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically Saints Row now. That's that's where that went. Yep. Oh, and how and how loud it is that, right? Yeah, true. Saints Row Four killed it in reviews. Just yeah, because I beat that this morning. Movie. That game's fucking crazy. Awesome. Yeah. So there you go. If you want craziness, we're gonna bring that game back up a little bit later with one of my underrated games. But until oh. then. Uh, we have a wild Mike Murphy approaching, oh. coming into the podcast. Oh, How you doing? Awesome. You know what? It's not. It's not very effective. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'm just Mike. like a magic carp. I only know how to splash. <laughs> So you're here now. You better give us an overrated game, or we're kicking you out. Yeah, An overrated game? Yeah. Um. Oh, Jason might not like me if I pick the one that just came off the top of my head. You should do that. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Four. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Let Let's hear your reasoning. Um, I really loved the earlier Metal Gear games, but I felt that as the series went on and on, it became far less of a game and way more of an incredibly long and drawn out movie. Granted, a good drawn-out long movie, but with a lot of confusing plot threads and not a much gameplay. I don't like playing games where I'm going to play a game and then sit and watch a cutscene for a half an hour. Or in the case of Metal Gear Solid's ending, sit there and watch a cutscene for an hour, hour and a half. And I feel like it was just based on that, based on all those cu- all those cutscenes and its heavy reliance on... All of that, instead of using maybe QTEs or telling story better through gameplay, I felt like it got a lot more credit than it probably should have. And it's one of my least favorite games in the Metal Gear franchise, even though it kind of wraps the story up and puts a nice little bow on it. Wow. Yeah, and that one's coming in at about a 94 Metascore, and I don't have uh, sales numbers on that because it wasn't listed on our pre-show notes. But uh, and how, how does everyone else feel? Does it feel like I'm, I'm trying to think of past Metal Gear Solids, and I feel like when I was playing Metal Gear Solid Four, I don't, I don't remember thinking back and, and thinking, oh well, 
the past games, the cutscenes were a little shorter, and now it's getting ridiculous. I felt like it was kind of on par for the course. I felt like it was still long, drawn-out cutscenes, which I would still get annoyed at eventually. But I feel like the um, the improvements they made in the gameplay, the way they they tried to... They still had stealth in there, of course, and you still want to be stealthy. But they it felt like they finally realized with 4 that, hey, you're going to screw up sometimes, and you should probably know how to shoot a gun. So... If you screw something up, you're still going to be able to get out of that situation. Whereas in the past games, it felt like you were really forced into that stealth corner. And if you didn't do it right, you would be in for some frustration. Yeah, I guess they were more true stealth games. Yeah. they were. I mean, I really loved Metal Gear Solid 4, so it's hard for me to to have input. Um, But Jason, you also loved it, right? A little bit. A little (laughs) bit. A little bit. That probably is the most common uh, critique of Metal Gear Solid 4 I've ever heard. The, it's an interactive movie, it's not a game. That's what I hear a lot. And to that I say, those five hours, it's, yeah, sure, it's probably a 10 to 15 hour game with about seven hours of gameplay. Fine, but that seven hours of gameplay is fantastic. And the, and the cutscenes are all gripping. That is a game where you have to pay attention to every word because if you don't you're going to miss something which is potentially a reason to hate it well yeah. right but but <laughs> why are you going to play a game like that if you're not going to pay attention why are you going to play any game if you're not going to pay attention that's like grand theft auto earlier people, yeah, some people you... play it just to shoot shit and that's wrong it's the way you're it's not the way you're supposed to play it well, but if i'm going to play a game <laughs> that's like you're going to cry have a lot of story that i have to pay attention to why not include interactivity that's going to help make me pay attention yeah that's why i wonder like a synthesis of gameplay and narrative which we've seen games do more and we had seen games do more even before Metal Gear Solid 4 Bioshock I was thinking Bioshock was not before Metal Gear Solid Metal Gear Solid was June Bioshock was August of that year look it up wait no wait. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 4 was 2008 wasn't it I thought it was June of 07 I'm pretty sure it's 08 but oh. I could be wrong, but it's I'm pretty sure. Oh, wait. Yeah, oh, oh. He looked it up. And I just got <laughs> oh. hoist on my own petard. Yeah. Another comparison I would draw is also Heavy Rain. Like, if <laughs> if uh, if you took the cutscenes from Metal Gear and put a kind of QT, more of like Heavy Rain-style gameplay in there, I probably would have appreciated it a lot more and not think it was overrated. Yeah, it's kind of tough because a lot of people just hate QT. I'm personally a fan of QTs if they are done well in you know harmony with what you're looking at. Um, some games do, three. some some games don't. Like like say Resident Evil Four, that that one sort of introduced me to to these button prompts on the screen. It was amazing to to go through those cutscenes. I don't know how you guys felt. But I, I would agree. I remember playing Metal Gear Solid 4 and at the beginning thinking, man, why don't they do a little something like like Resident Evil 4? Because Snake did some really cool stuff that I would have loved to be like, yeah, I pressed that button to jump off that wall and whatever, but I didn't. And then I just got over it. See, but, they, oh, they, I guess they, you cannot get over it. And they focused. The problem was they kind of had QTEs, but they were A, optional. And B, it was all flashbacks referencing things in previous games to remind you. Remember, if they said a certain thing, you could press X and it would like flash a screen in like a white, a white beige color from a previous game of like a person's face. Mm-hmm. Like if they mentioned Nothing. the sorrow, he would he would show up, or that that kind of thing. So, but it was all it was all reference to 
pre- the previous game since it was supposed to be the last one. Now, let me let me ask you a question, Mike. If they followed mm-hmm. up Metal Gear Solid 3, which many people, including myself, say is the best one in the series. Me too. I agree. With the heavy rain of Metal Gear, where it was just QTEs and story. They would tear down the gates of Hideo <laughs> Kojima's house. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't think he's saying go from Metal Gear Solid 3 straight to Heavy Rain. I think he's more saying, you know, still make a Metal Gear Solid game, but in those sections where you have to tell a story from, you know, an, an author's lens, at least let the player participate, not necessarily yeah. change the whole way the game is built. Okay. Exactly. That, that, that would be extreme. Uh, I mean, of course. Eddie put it perfectly. Now... <laughs> <laughs> the ending of Metal Gear Solid 4 is a better hour and a half of my time than most movies. Oh, anyone, God, I love Anyone disagree with me there? I honestly I, have not mm. played Metal Gear Solid 4, so I, I don't really have a... Face the wall! <laughs> <laughs> You're not in this Okay, there's a character named Sorrow. That is so dumb. That is so the dumb. The Sorrow. The Sorrow. Yeah, wow, that's way worse. But it's, it's in a game... <laughs> but it's featured in a game... Have you played 3? No, I've not played three either. Well, all the bosses in three are the pain, the fear, yeah. the God, fury, that's, the that's sorrow. That's such bad writing. There's a reason for it. No, it's 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 good. There's a reason. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Three is so good, and the ending of Metal Gear Solid Three yeah. is better yeah. than Metal Gear Solid Four yeah. too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Talk about how great that game is. Metal Gear Solid, this <laughs> franchise. Um, let's move on. Yeah. Anthony, give us your next overrated game. Okay. Oh boy. Okay, I'm gonna throw out a whole slew of games because I'm putting a whole series in here, and you can pick whichever one you want to talk about. But uh, the entire Gears of War series, the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, so these games thing. were rated 94 percent, 93 percent, 91 percent, and then Judgment 78. So right, right. which know. is a different studio? So I mean, and the series has sold 19.83 million copies. That's roughly. So yeah. that's, that's a good amount. It's like five million a game. All right, now this one I probably can't articulate as well as other games that don't appeal to me. But I see this is just going to sound like me just throwing on the game without really going into stuff. But I don't like any of the characters. I think that world is completely boring. I think the shooting and like when you're actually shooting, just the the feel of it. Like again, I can't really put my finger on it, but the feel of playing. Gears of War, the way you run, the way you run real fast and get back to cover, and just the weapons, none of it feels good to me. And and I feel like a lot of the appeal of Gears of War is the multiplayer. I, I feel like people latch onto the multiplayer more so than the single player, and maybe I'm wrong there, but I, I hate Gears of War multiplayer. <laughs> now, it probably doesn't help that I may be the worst Gears of War player in the world. I could probably make a video series of me just being absolutely terrible at that game online but it i i i always see this is going to be a dumb complaint because i always die i can't get a kill i don't understand what's going on what the <laughs> fuck Gears War, i don't know what's going on like I, yeah oh, you're just really I bad at it that's all there. I don't so wait, i have a question when did you first play the gears of war franchise was it right in 2006 when it when it came out or was it yeah, uh i don't know if i got it immediately but within a few months of when it came out, the first one. Okay. I, I played it. That was the first game I ever got on a 360. I got my 360 a year late. Um, 
and I got it with Gears of War, and I actually really enjoyed it and never played multiplayer. I also have never maybe even gotten a kill in, in Gears of War multiplayer, but I, I found the mechanics, you know, just getting into the nitty-gritty of how the game controlled to be really rewarding. I, I'm kind of upset to hear that you don't like it. Yeah, not like... Let's talk about the reload system. Like, yeah, really active reload, okay. Yeah. Okay, Sure. I've, uh, you're probably the first person that I've heard say that they actively disliked the roadie run. I no, like, I know. Yeah, most people cover feel like one of the strengths of that game is just the way it plays and feels in. Yeah, I did, absolutely. It's sort of built a new subset of of the third person shooter genre with its cover system. Um, I can't remember a whole lot of games that really did that before. Maybe like Kill Switch was Win the back. one of the only. Yeah. Yeah, and win back on the on the Nintendo sixty four was around the same time. Right. Perhaps it's just the the does it does it feel more fast paced than most third person shooters in some sense? Um, I I'm trying to remember. See, I'm trying to remember. It felt like you were you would get in cover, but then you'd run around and move a lot, and it was real fast, and kills are yes. happening real fast, and it's just let's go. It's almost like an action movie, and you're playing an action movie. Let's go, boom, 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 and I I just don't like that a whole lot. I like to be methodical. I like to sit back and pick people off and not have to have the adrenaline pumping every second necessarily. Okay. Anthony yeah, is a big I... JRPG player also, by the way. <laughs> yeah. it's true. Get that out there. It's true. I'm not going to say that's not true. No, I'm yeah, not it's... saying that that makes your... your yeah, I know. Uh, but but it's weird because, yeah, it's, maybe it's just the fast-paced action, the heavy action of it that doesn't quite appeal to me. It, maybe it feels a little too overblown because there are other games that are also very heavy on fast-paced and stuff like that, and I don't necessarily dislike them. Well, I will say this. Uh, after the first game, I just kind of lost interest. So there, there's got to yeah. be something to it. Like, people were still going crazy over Gears of War yeah. for 2 and 3. Obviously, buying the hell out of it and and giving it, you know, really good, you know, 90-plus scores, perfect scores here and there. Um, so, I mean, there has to be something about it that made me just not interested in it anymore. Yeah, it's like, is, is the gameplay and mechanics, are they so great that you're willing to look past the fact that the story and characters aren't... The characters suck. Because, because <laughs> oh, Jason man, said yeah. earlier, story, gameplay, and graphics are his criteria, or his kind of ranking when he looks at what affects him most playing games. Yes. And I, in that I, I say I'm the same way. So story, gameplay, visuals, or presentation in general. Yeah. And that story and those characters were so <laughs> lifeless and boring and dumb beefy. that I beefy, so beefy <laughs> that I just didn't care at all. So that made me, you know, that made the fact that I'm shooting these alien dudes even less interesting. Yeah. So. But perhaps the I mean, most fun part of Gears of War to me was waiting for Marcus Phoenix to talk and then just uh, talk yeah. for him and then like continuing to narrate my own game in his voice. While I'm going, <laughs> it makes yeah. me sad that Woo, the guy that train, voices, baby. <laughs> it makes me sad that the guy that voices Marcus Phoenix is the same guy that voices Bender from Futurama. Are you serious? Yes, and Jake John, from Adventure Time, John right? And, yep, right? John DiMaggio. Wow. Uh-huh. Really? My uh, mind's blown. What the? What the? Yep. Same dude. Would you believe wow. it? Okay. Gears of let me, War let me interject there. this super quick. All right. Uh, I I played um, Gears of War competitively online for a long time. Not like pro, but like I was really good. Top MLG. tier. MLG. Top tier player. Uh, <laughs> and and so I got really into the nitty gritty of the mechanics that you're talking about there. 
really, really well-balanced shooter. Um, the first and the third, specifically. The second game, not so much. As as you would expect, the second game, they're like, yeah, let's do more, let's do more, let's throw all this crap in there, and it didn't work, and then the third one, they, they called that back. Um, but, like, the map design, the, the, the layout of the maps was perfectly <clears throat> tuned for the kind of kills that you would be able to get per the weapons. Um, specifically, like, the shotgun versus the sniper rifle versus the chainsaw machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and uh, there was something about... I'm trying to remember the... Oh, the so where you... Uh, the buddy system, where you would down... Someone would get downed and you could help them, right? If they weren't all the way dead. Revive them, yeah. Yeah, and that was a brand new thing. Uh, for I mean, not, I, I'm sure someone had done it before, but it was relatively new on the scene. Well, so that that in cover shooting was so huge at the time, and I yeah. latched onto it big time. So here's here's the other big shooter that you had at the time, at least on Xbox, was the Halo series. Halo. Um, and Gears of War was so radically different from the Halo series. It was one of the first games where you had essentially a one-hit KO in multiplayer. So you know you could hide behind cover. You can see some you know a, a particular lane. Guy comes running down. You pop out hit him with the shotgun, one-hit KO. And you could go on, like, a, if you were really good with the shotgun, you could go on a spree, like 10 kills in a row. No problem. And that's not something that you could do, you know, in, in that same fashion in, in Halo. Um, it was... And, I mean, Gears of War, the original, was out for almost a full year before Halo 3. So yeah. So yeah. even then, there's, like, six, was yeah. there anything else? I mean, it just, it really... See, but then uh, I start to wonder... Then I start to wonder about the influence because, uh, like, let's say Gears of War didn't do that with the third-person shooting. And I will fully admit that the responsiveness of the controls and the way you can easily get to cover is great. I never felt like I was having trouble doing what I wanted to do in that game necessarily. So I won't fault that game for that. It, it, Like, the controls themselves work how you want them to work for a cover-based shooter. But then I wonder... Like, let's say Gears of War didn't come out in 06 and then Uncharted comes out. Do we feel like because Gears of War came out in late 06 that Naughty Dog made changes or did anything different with what Uncharted was going to be? Or would Uncharted be the game that, oh, well, this is a really well-done third-person cover-based shooter, and here's how this should be now? So, like, it's hard to say, I guess. I don't really know yeah. much about So that's why I wonder, like, it, the it influence It all depends on debate. development cycle. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all speculation at that point. So either either way, Uncharted was not a cover shooter. No, like, yeah. Gears of War was so tied to cover, like that was such an integral yeah, that was part the thing. Right. of how you played it. Um, and and I don't really know that there's been another series that has relied so heavily on the cover mechanic since. Not quite like to... Gears of War that no, I yeah, know like nothing that can come out on my mind. Yeah, in in that way, I think it's it's. Kind of cool in that. Yeah, maybe it's more unique than it. I think because of that. Yeah, you're wrong, it, Anthony. No, it, I'm just wrong. I've been convinced. We were gonna say who's convinced. I'm, I'm convinced. I dislike <laughs> yes. Gears of War more than I should. Love that. But I mean, so, it it, it oh. has been rated very highly, so maybe people just yeah, went like I, more crazy about I it than you like. Yeah, I don't hate Gears of War. I I'm frustrated that people like it as much as they do when I don't quite understand such high praise. But it's yeah. still well yeah, made. Right. I enjoyed I enjoyed my time with campaigns. I played one, two, and three. I didn't give up after one. That's why I said the whole series. I played one, two, and three. I felt like they got better with the campaigns each time. I felt like 
I feel like I enjoyed Gears of War 3 more than I did 2 and 1, uh, for whatever that's worth. But I, I just don't, especially with these multiplayer-centric games, because I don't play a lot of multiplayer to begin with, competitive multiplayer, so maybe that's a personal thing. But when you get a game that a lot of the appeal is the multiplayer, I'm probably not going to hop on board as much as a lot of other people. So Right. And just to interject with a little bit of philosophy of the the overrated, I think some of it comes from everyone really liking something while you think that there are other games, which we'll get to later, the underrated games, that people don't really latch on to. So you kind of get annoyed that the yeah. popular games are popular when you, you know in your mind and heart that there are other games that are equally as good or better to you that that may be equally as good or better to those people, but they just don't partake in them and that's just gets really annoying yeah anyway let's move on jason give me one my turn i am also going to use a popular franchise but just one game because i like the rest of the games in the series that's halo reach oh but the ending was so good okay i didn't get that far because i couldn't i was so damn bored Okay, so Halo Reach uh, has gotten to 91% in its Metascore and 9 million, well, 9.45 million copies sold. And I'm kind of in the boat with Anthony where I don't play a lot of online multiplayer. And what I did play of the online multiplayer was far and away better than anything that came before it. But I, I'm a campaign guy. And I just mm-hmm. couldn't get into it. I don't know why I couldn't. And I know about the last battle. And I know about you basically. I know what you do. I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't played it. And I still own it. So I can change my mind at some point if I really want to. But just something about it. I just. it's like I feel like three and four <clears throat> stuck with me more than Reach did. And see, I, I just. Every Halo game, I kind of feel like I could have put on the overrated list because, like, they're they're good, they're okay, but they don't stand out to me. I I had Halo Three and I have Reach here, and I don't think I played Four. I played ODST. None of them like did anything for me. I played through basically the whole campaign in Three and and half in Reach, and I was just like, oh, whatever. Like, it, there's nothing special to me here. I that feel like it gets funny. Yeah. It's, it's weird because I actually thought that Reach had the best, aside from maybe Halo 4, had the best campaign story out of the entire series. I kind of agree. I, I'm not a fan necessarily. Yeah, 3 so. was and, I mean, basically known for being the multiplayer game, right? Yeah. If I'm, if I'm correct about that. Uh-huh. And like with Reach, with, uh, with I think it was Delta Squad, it was their name, uh, for the Spartan team. Like it was a it was a tragic story of like how Reach fell and like and it set up the entire other campaign and it focused on these characters and one of the most important things I think was also the fact that like unlike in Halo two and three where characters died and it kind of didn't really it never really felt to me as I guess as strong as in or like they were killing them off just to kill them off not because you know casualty of war type stuff or just to be dramatic whereas a lot of the deaths in halo reach were either like heroic or very like tragic you know just casualty of war just you know how stuff just happens and people and they die like in real in real military conflict where you can be talking to some guy and they'll catch a bullet in the eye and they're just done and i felt Mm. like reach did that kind of stuff a lot more and that's why I felt that the story was far better rather than just, you know, so, like in the second one where or the third one when Cortana Keys gets shot in the back just 
just because, Spoiler. Just because it's a good uh, it's that's from Halo two or three. That's like four. Yeah, I'm just years kidding. <laughs> when I say spoiler, it's usually a joke. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just felt that like you were able to relate to the characters just a little bit better, and their deaths had more meaning because the, because of the way that they died. They they felt more true to the situation around them, as opposed to in the normal Halo installments. To me, mm-hmm. now, and just, and they it, added a run mechanic. Thank. Log. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. that's right. That's right. Thank you, Epic Games. No. <laughs> why? Well, I mean, you explained a little bit why Reach, but in your front lines of of gaming retail, how did the Reach release compare to, say, Halo Three or, or Halo. ODST? O- ODST. If I had to rank them, it would be three, Reach, ODST, ODST. People kind of forgot about. Okay. And. Three was a friggin' bonanza. It was like the second midnight launch <laughs> ever worked, and the the line was just insanity. Well, I've, I've never two seen... is considered probably the the greatest Halo, you know, for its time, right? Sure. I don't know. Um, probably. And coming off of two, which introduced you know Xbox Live to the world. Yeah. We got all into that, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting, and and Halo Three being the first one for. For uh, 360. Halo right. Wars was pretty. I mean, that was up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably I, number one, actually. That was a midnight launch for me. Underrated. <laughs> yeah. um, Halo 3's launch, we probably moved 300 and some copies in my store, and Halo reaches. I had switched stores by then, but it was probably about 150, 175. Okay. Um, it, it just. It, the, the, the amount of enthusiasm wasn't there, and the people. I, I, for me personally, me personally, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a story guy. One, two, and three were a trilogy, and I read the book Ghosts of Reach, and I assumed, I guess, that the story of Reach wouldn't be that much different from Ghosts of Reach. So I kind of went in like, oh, I kind of know what happens. I already know what happens to Reach. It's like watching Titanic. My, my dad has never <laughs> seen Titanic, and his reasoning is. I know how it ends. The boat sinks. <laughs> and I don't care about love stories. So what the hell do I have to watch? Yo, dude, for? spoiler alert. Hello. Come on. <laughs> Jeez, some of us haven't seen it yet. I remember when that movie came out in theater. I said, Dad, you want to see it? He goes, no, the boat sinks. I don't have to. But, <laughs> yeah, but it's for his... me, I, I knew what happened with Reach. I knew what was going to happen. I know yeah, what happened. Yeah, the boat sinks. So. And, <laughs> in, the lore, in the lore, in the Halo lore, I know what happens to Reach. And that kind of dampered it for me. I guess maybe okay. that's it. Um, I'll it tell you, I got I got a whole. So it was overrated, right? A lot of people liked it. I'm a I'm a I know I'm a minority when it comes to that. I'll tell you that Ford gripped me more than Breach did. Um, so I'm I'm excited. There's a new trilogy, but yeah. I just Breach didn't do it for me. Sorry, guys. Okay. All right. What else didn't do it for you, Dan? Okay, the, and this is gonna sound really dumb, Fez, because okay. I thought it was too heavy. Too heavy. heavy. Yeah. How so? I, I, I did not love the feel of uh, the character of Fez. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I thought he was just point. too fat. He needed to take, you know, <laughs> get on a diet, take take his vitamins and whatever. It, it To me, the weight of the character it's matters so, so much to me. If, the, if it's too light, too airy, it's going to blow it for me. And if it's too heavy... 
So, like, if you took the B button out of Super Mario Brothers and all you could do was walk and jump with A. Oh, man, that'd be awful, right? Is that kind of what Fez is to you? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, that's that's terrible. What if I told you when you beat the game, you can get around places a little bit easier? Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Well, too bad it... Uh, what if I told you that, that huh? Yeah, well, maybe they well, should still a little, that at the beginning instead of it. still a end. little cumbersome, actually, so I probably shouldn't bring that up. <laughs> Either way, that's at the end. It's a... <laughs> and Fez, at this point, uh, has earned an 89% meta score, roughly, and we don't know how much it sold. Presumably a ton, because people have also lost their minds over Fez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I have yet to hear anyone make, like a super cogent argument for why it's beloved. Because uh, Phil Fish! Yeah, Phil well, Fish, man. Yeah, there seems to be some mythos surrounding okay, it, right? That's, <laughs> but it's entertaining. That's never really, say that much. never really captured Here's me. why I think I like Fez so much. Uh, so, I played it when it first came out, and basically, you beat it, right? You, or you find all the cubes you need to find, and you quote-unquote beat it. And then... You realize, you go online and you read people uh, talking about it and discovering things. You realize, well, there's kind of a whole other game behind here uh, where you have to find all these secrets and decode an entire language. I have I have pages of notes in my dresser somewhere or my drawers here somewhere where I just, I was decoding a language and solving puzzles on paper before I even touched my controller. Because once you find all the cubes, You've really only gotten halfway there, I feel like. I mean, you, you could definitely make the argument otherwise, but you get there, and then there's there's a lot more, and you need to uncover these secrets. You need to come together with the community. You need to figure out how to decode this language and figure out this password and figure out what spinning the world four times this way and then three times this way does and how many times you have to ring the bell and stuff like that. And then you realize, man, this Phil Fish guy is kind of fucking crazy because... <laughs> Who makes a game like this? But and it wasn't really <laughs> advertised as a game like that. But it is like that. So I felt like at that point it really clicked with me. I'm like, whoa, this game is insane. That sounds so. like a lot of homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two, I was, I was you, gonna I, say some people might to, not like that. Yeah. Right. You you gotta earn that devotion in my book. You don't right. just get that right off the bat. You have to do something to where I'm gonna buy in to the point where I say, okay. I need to delve into this to the point where I'm creating, you know, writing out notes to figure something out. I'm actually going online to engage in, uh, you know, further study. Sure. Uh, and and I, it didn't do it for me specifically because I thought he was too fat. You're He's totally too right, though. He is too fat. Like, yeah. The movement in that game is not good at all. So sluggish. It was just unbelievably irritating to me. And and not that it didn't work, but I was just like, I really, it, it's a not a pleasurable uh, feeling, I think, to play it. Okay. All right, let's 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 move on. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to go out on a limb here, um, put myself out there, I guess. I'm going to say Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, uh, which stands at 94% Metascore, 24.05 million oh, copies balls. sold. Oh, and, okay, the single-player campaign was balls and it survived i think the whole game survived on the hype of no russian i think call of duty 4 modern warfare was was the 
you know, the, the pinnacle and then everything else was just like aping that after that. And maybe modern warfare had a, a great multiplayer that I didn't really care about, but, um, I don't know. I felt like the whole thing was put together just sloppy in the in the single player. The characters were boring. The whole thing was just boring and stupid, and I just can't stand it. You know, I don't think you're going to get a lot of argument here. Yeah, no, no you're not. <laughs> we're going to be on <laughs> nope, board with that. Not really. I'm sorry. I, it's I, gonna it's gonna be a terrible discussion. Because <laughs> I'm good. Well, because like, we need to keep moving. This? How can I argue this? And I'm like, I, I really can't. <laughs> no, you can't. It, it, all the Modern Warfare games are the same. Yeah. Uh, with, I'll with... quickly, yeah. I'll quickly no, say I'll... no Russian is not is stupid. It's <laughs> pointless. It is entirely a ploy to say, hey, come look at this. We're being all mature and, you know, this is very controversial. And then it does nothing for the story or the gameplay or anything. It's just in there. Yeah. And it's dumb. Let's Let's give Fox News something to talk about. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Basically, that's all it was. I thought I was going to have a lot more pushback on that, so I feel good. All that's, of those games that... have have one major event for shock value. One was the nuke. Two was no Russian. Three was the van. Well, I kind of dug Call of Duty Four because I feel like it it took things to places that really had been you know presented to players in in that way as. As much as it I agree is. with you. No, I, I like four as well. I, 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 I hold 2006 or seven. 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 Yeah. So I mean, that um, was way back there. I hold I hold the first one in the highest regard out of the three easily. You mean the fourth one? <laughs> yeah. The but first is Modern Warfare. Not. Damn it. I know. The last <laughs> of the numbered Call of Duties. Let's say. Yes, that's true. There's no five. <laughs> All right. So we're done with Call of Duty. Let's <laughs> let's scoot back up to Murph. What what do you got for us? Um, oh god, Jason's just gonna hate me. All right, you are resident rivalry, <laughs> you too. I love it. Um, Um, Smash Brothers. Uh oh! Drop the mic. He left. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Brawl. Uh yeah. Okay, I'm I'm on board with you. I think he's coming to your house. You might want to <laughs> keep an eye open. Knocking. He's in the. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not answering the door. Hauling, right? Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like. Well, Murph, this is your your choice. So. Are you are you one of those people who's like a melee purist? Like you only played melee? No, I actually okay. didn't like. I actually think melee was overrated too. Okay. <laughs> All right. I the better, only I I liked the I loved the original Super Smash Brothers for the N sixty four, and then the melee came out and it was more of the same and then. I felt like Brawl was very much almost all of the same. I'm like, it's just the same game, but the graphics are updated, and it's still fun to play with my friends, but I don't get what 
is with the obsession of it. Why people need will like play marathon sessions of it. It's just this. It's just to me. It's just a beat 'em up with Nintendo characters that can be fun and addictive. And I and I Dude. understand why it's why the system works so well with the damage percentage and people flying out of the out of the ring and getting blown up or stage. But it's more. I more feel it's overrated simply because I don't understand why it's why it deserves such a huge fan following and why it gets so much love. It is not even that fun. The first one was kind of like just a, a, an experimental thrown together little game. And it was cool in the beginning. It was like, Oh wow, look at all our Nintendo characters and this, this different sort of fighting game. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Oh, look at you fly into the back of the screen. And it's like, Oh, now I'm bored and I'm, I'm, I remain bored for the rest of the, to franchise existence. I felt like Melee was probably the best one, but God, I, I just really, I'm with you, Mike. I can't understand the obsession. Well, I mean, I guess I can understand it. I just don't, I just don't agree with it yeah. for these games when there are legitimate fighting games out there that, that have good complex systems. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is that it's simple, but but um, I don't know. If Listen, I... if you have ever tried to play against someone who is very good at a Super Smash Bros. game, you will understand that the systems are incredibly complex. Really, I just don't yes. even care. It's it's not something that is anywhere near as good as as uh, other fighting games to me. And I love Nintendo characters, but I don't need to have them fight each other. I'll, I'll just I'll have other characters do fighting on the uh-huh. screen. <laughs> What you're mistaking for simplicity is an, an, an intentional approachability that Nintendo has built into it so that anyone can play it. So that, for example, if I am like, hey, guys, let's play Super Smash Bros. And they're like, oh, like I'm not very good at video games. I could be like, hey, it doesn't matter because there's like five attacks. You just like press B and A and then you're good. Oh, that's so boring. But <laughs> there's actually a huge amount of depth to those very simple systems. What I was going to say is I lived with two guys for uh, a year who were semi-professional at Super Smash Bros. Like, actually played in tournaments, won cash, yada, yada. They were legit at playing this game. I could not hold for more than a minute playing against them because there's actually a ton of complexity, especially built into the the dashing system and the shields when you... Um, defend if you can use those well you can actually be really really good um and there's like whole tiers. if you look online you'll see what i'm talking about there are like tiers so it's like certain characters in brawl are like top tier jason you probably know what i'm talking about yep there, yeah. there's yeah there's like top tier characters and which is like in any other fighting game so mm-hmm. it, it legitimately has that uh, i think it's easy to to not get to that level right because i'm not i'm certainly not um, and no, most of the folks that I play with, are, you know, we just dork around and nobody's yeah, particularly either. good. Right. Um, but then below that level, if you don't get to that level, the appeal, I feel like is a cliff that, that, that you fall off if you're not at that level. Cause the, the low level, uh, participation in smash brothers does not equal the low level participation in other fighting games for me. But I mean, you, you could disagree with that that's fine just to address that like uh i'm not sure about that because i'm terrible at fighting games terrible and i feel like i can at least pick up and play super smash brothers but let's say you give me street fighter 4 i own street fighter 4 uh i tried playing it for i don't know four 
five hours and got nowhere. At least I can play Super Smash Brothers. If I, <laughs> if I spend that low-level play with Street Fighter 4, I'm getting nowhere and I want to throw my controller through a TV. So, I mean, it's almost like a lesser of two evils. I, I don't find Super Smash Brothers super compelling, but it can be fun with friends and at least I'm playing it and doing something. Whereas well, I don't feel that in most fighting games. That's exactly my point, which you just said, Anthony. It's that, yeah, it's a fun game that I can play with my friends and I can enjoy, but sure. it's not super compelling yeah, to me. Yeah. And it's okay. not a game to me that seems like something that warrants like hours upon hours of marathon sessions and people playing nothing but Smash and being completely. I don't. I just don't understand the obsession to me. To, to me, the gameplay, while nice and does have its complex complexities and all the characters are different, it. It just to me, it's not something that I that I can understand, like putting that much time into, because all it is is it's just you're fighting other people, you're you're fighting your friends. There's no, and aside from those gameplay mechanics, there's really nothing else. And I just it I sounds like you're describing a fighting game. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you feel that way about yeah. fighting games in general? Or? <laughs> no, not not all fighting games. I just don't know what it is about it. Like I, it's not a game that I feel like I that. That like I can't understand just why all people are that obsessed with it. I just for me, it's strictly history. There's so much history and reference on that disc, that Smash Brothers Brawl disc. It is beyond comprehension. And being a lifelong Nintendo follower, I just I can't get enough of it. Whether it's remixed music or seeing a stage brought to life in a way it's never been brought to life before. It's it's just there's no there's no feeling like it and the, and and the the lead up to it um, helped uh, if if you recall when the game was coming out they had the online uh, website where they would update once a day a lot of it was inconsequential but seeing these characters who you'd only seen in certain places come to life in such a way like 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 a guy like Ike from Fire Emblem. Until then, he was only like a 2D guy with maybe a little bit of 3D in the in the Fire Emblem for GameCube and Wii, I don't recall. But he was just a 2D fight uh, warrior now brought to life in full 3D that, and, and set a, along a backdrop of a major Fire Emblem fight where the, wall, the, the floor caves in and you're inside the castle and the floor caves in again and you're like underneath it. It just... It, it never, you never had that before. It, 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 it's... It's the celebration of Nintendo history that I love the most. The fact that you can, in the middle of a match, unlock a little statue of something you probably forgot about from an, an old Super Nintendo game. You look it up, you see it, you remember fondly, and you keep going. That's what it is for me. And, and maybe that makes me a nostalgic little bitch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, think so. I no, mean, it's completely understandable. A lot of people agree with you. I mean, this this franchise has sold 2438 million copies five and a half for the first one seven for the second one and, and almost 12 for the third wow. one and uh if we're just looking at melee uh, that's got a, a meta score around 92 right and like and and the fourth one looks like it's going to follow suit if you go on smashbrothers.com right now he's doing the same thing that he did before but now it's just a screenshot a day no explanation nothing he explains it on Meverse on uh, the wii u if you really want to get into it but the picture right now is two guys fighting on a plane one's yellow one's red heading towards woohoo island and they came from we already know this from previous screenshots they came from stage three of pilot wings on the super nintendo and they're flying to woohoo island 
That's kind of awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's bridging Super Nintendo with current. It, it, I love. It. I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough. Of it. Sorry. That's that's what it is. Okay. Like how about Ness from Earthbound? Like oh, that's really? underrated. Game. Putting him in there. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and then they acknowledge that we want Mother Three by giving us Lucas. Right, right. And don't give us Mother 3. Don't give us Mother 3. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done with Smash Brothers after that. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> reference. <laughs> Let's and move on. I just got disappointed. I just anger. got upset. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, give us another overrated game. Okay, uh, another one I find overrated, and it's kind of getting into a theme of why I find some of these games overrated, is Infamous yeah. for PS3. Um, <laughs> well, I... I once again, I find the world and the environments, I don't know if lifeless is the right word, but not interesting in any meaningful way. So yes, I can use these superpowers on this city. It's this big open city. Uh, riding the train tracks or the rails is kind of cool, but I don't find anything in there interesting, and I don't find the characters interesting. So the fact that I can do all these things in this environment doesn't doesn't end up being as fun because in the back of my mind I think, well, yeah, I'm doing all these things, but this place is kind of, kind of boring in some in some way. Mm. I almost felt like there was something missing from Infamous, and I that I can't quite place my finger on. I felt like it was on the precipice of something great, and it didn't quite reach it. And I'm not sure what I wanted from it, but it wasn't there. It just, it just wasn't there. But it's in other open world games. I'm not sure what that was exactly see i wasn't a huge fan of infamous either i really wanted to be i was looking forward yeah, to I it a lot to be. Exactly. I, yeah. I was a big fan of uh, i guess it's sucker punch as the yeah, sly games sly um right. infamous right now has a meta score of 86 uh, percent uh 2.64 million copies but my problem with it was not that it was missing something it was that something was in it that really destroyed the experience i kind of was interested in the whole the the fiction of it the 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 world the even the character I, I wanted to know about you know this origin story but the problem for me was the combat sucked balls it was just stupid like a he he was so boring with his one you know he's lightning just lightning 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 it was just it got to be too much i was done with it give me something else you know as you go through the game you get different attacks right no yeah i know that but but it never none of his powers ever made an impact on the gameplay enough to alter the core experience of interacting with that world and that really bothered me even if they just eliminated the waves of of enemies that you ended up having to fight like just it was built like a corridor shooter in an open world at times on some of the missions and it just it just got to be laborious. I would rather explore the world more than spend so much time fighting with stupid powers. Now, my rebuttal here is I loved it for its story. Yeah. It's en- it's ending is fantastic. But um for me, I disagree with you on the combat because as you upgrade the extra attacks that you get, they you get to basically make yourself even more awesome. Like there's one that's like a rocket. It's a lightning rocket. And it, it makes this big boom. Like a look at rocket launcher would. And then if you upgrade it, you can upgrade it so that you shoot the rocket into the air and then zap a guy like you normally would. And anything that you zap will send that rocket heading towards it with a full, full head of steam. Boom. 
So you could completely miss with a rocket and then shoot a guy with normal lightning and the rocket will turn around and destroy that guy or that thing. The, the little, little things like that, little strategic things like that made me love, love, love the combat. The fact that you could throw a grenade and that actually be three or, or you know, stuff like that. I, I agree with you where it was set up like a corridor shooter in an open world. I'm definitely with you on that. Um, but that didn't turn me off, I guess. I was able to deal with that for everything else. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were. <laughs> I, I think I was able to deal with it. I, I didn't love the game, but I was able to deal with that aspect of it because I just sort of ignored that for the most part, which meant I died a lot. Uh, but I sort of just went for melee as much as possible, kind of, you know, like just, ah, really? <laughs> uh, and th- that you were vanguard. It, yeah, that made it a lot more enjoyable, I think. But okay. but clearly, it's designed to be more advantageous to play it like a corridor shooter, mm. which I think is lame. Given <laughs> okay. th- given that you have way more powers, way more mechanics involved that are a lot of fun, and you would miss out on. All right. Well, let's move on, Jason. Yeah. That you didn't find that one overrated. What did you find overrated? Um, hmm. I, I can do a couple of options here. I find Wii Fit to be overrated because it sold 22 million copies and didn't work. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not going to be a problem with this. But crowd. I don't think anyone's yeah. going to give me any resistance yeah. here. Um, is it so? Wii Fit, let's let's do Wii Fit and another one. Wii Fit is that just basically because the way that you saw people coming in, you know, day after day, buying up your entire droves. stock of those balance boards. The, you know, the second they came, I was actually working at a GameStop when this came out, and people would call in every day. Did you get any Wii Fits? Did yep. you get that balance board? But I was yep. like, Yeah, we got some. Okay, I'll be there. I want to buy four of them. <laughs> what? And Four? Granted, granted, the the some of the uh, activities were fun. It was different, and the yoga thing was cool because nothing else in the entire world has been able to make me do yoga. <laughs> but I, it just it, 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 they they said it would you know change your life, and it, yeah. it didn't. Okay, so what's what's your more gamey game that you're Oblivion? Whoa! Oh. Yep. Oh. Wait, I don't disagree with that. Who who was? That was me. That. me. <laughs> and <laughs> here's why. <laughs> here's Period. why. Because I, I like Bethesda. I really do. I got into Skyrim. I got into to the Fallout games. I, I don't mind the open world, although I don't normally finish them because I lose interest. But I still like them. Oblivion, I just didn't like it. I just couldn't. <laughs> Get into it. I couldn't. I don't know why. I don't know why. I get into Skyrim, so make, getting into Oblivion makes even less sense. But I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's probably me. <laughs> I probably have to go talk to somebody. Well, you know what? Here's a big part of it. My brother is the total opposite of me when it comes to this and logged 200 friggin' hours. I watched him finish the main story. And as far as I remember, you run away from a giant and you read out of a book. And that's how you win. And that, to me, is not worth playing hundreds of hours to get to that. Is learning not its own reward, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and for me, and I, I find this to be an issue with, with a lot of Bethesda games, and maybe it's why I don't finish them, but for these grand games with all of these 
major, uh, all this stuff to do and side quests and all this, the main storyline, the reason that you're supposed to be playing this game in the first place doesn't always grip. Skyrim did because dragons. Well, while I I understand that... I would argue with you that that maybe a lot of people, maybe myself included, the point of playing Skyrim or Oblivion was not the main storyline. But it should be. That's a problem for me. Okay. If you're going to write a story, that should be the focus of your game. I think Oblivion is one of the greatest games in video game history. So I'm just going to put that there first. Mm -hmm. However, I do understand the problem with this type of game and its narrative arc in that there is no urgency to playing the game, you know, to playing through the story. The what the the world is about to be overrun, yet I can do I can spend, you know, a year doing other things before moving forward with that. And I, I think time being Im- incorporated into the the game world would have installed a sense of urgency in the player and, you know, made it more gripping you know for that for that main plot like you say but i also think that would have taken a lot away from the core of what the gameplay experience is in those games well here's my thing if you put a time limit on the main quest but then allow after beating the main quest to do some stuff Mm -hmm. that to me is better yeah what if you beat it and because you beat it the world becomes open now you're Yeah. yeah now it's now you've liberated the world and Go do all this stuff for people because you defeated the main villain. I think the problem there becomes, you know, you're using those other quests to become a more powerful character, you know, who is able to tackle the evils that that are approaching the world. You know, but so. what you do, what you do then is, is if you beat it, like, and and you know, there's stuff that you want to do to make yourself more powerful. Do what what some games do is you beat the game, you see the ending, but you let yourself. Up, like you upload it after you beat it, the ability to trigger the last mission is still there. Oh, yeah. But then you can go out and do what you want. Go to the club. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, like, and, that, and what you said is, is a big proponent of it. Merun's Razor is going to take, is that how you say it? Is going to take over any minute now. But apparently, <laughs> a minute in Cyrodiil time is 150 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I, I know that there is a reason for the lore. <laughs> But, oh, you know what? But I, I, there, there isn't a gun held to my head that says that I have to finish that game. There should be more guns held to our heads. Yeah, I, I, I should. I should want to finish a game. Yeah, I should want to go. through How many that. hours did you play Oblivion? I have to look, but it was definitely over a day's worth. Definitely like twenty-four. Mine was mine was a hundred and twenty, and I didn't finish the the main campaign. See that? That's so I. I did finish the main campaign, but I've put about like two to three hundred hours into that game. Jeez, just retarded. Yeah. I don't, un- I don't quite understand how people put so many hours. So I beat Skyrim, and I think like six I got hours, sixty, <laughs> two, <laughs> two to three hours, <laughs> about like sixty hours, and I di- I, I don't know about being able to put a hundred plus or two hundred plus. I just, I mean, I just I don't probably, know if I could do that. It's just for me, like, in addition to the main storyline, there was also each guild that you had to do. The Fighters Guild, the yeah, Dark Brotherhood, yeah, and all that. And, you know, they each had their own storyline going on. 
And they each were so different from one another that I wanted to try it out. And it allowed me to create different characters or try to become like a master of all tasks with my characters. And, you know, with the fighting guild, it's running in and hacking at stuff. With the with the Dark Brotherhood, you're learning, you're doing sneaking and stealth te- stealth stuff and also being like good at talking and shit. And, you know, you're also doing more stealth, but you're also uh, trying to be good at stealing stuff when you're working with the Thieves Guild. And so, like... That all offered like so many showed off different aspects of the gameplay, which kept it fresh and new to me. Plus, I wanted to see what where they were going with each of their stories. So, and much then you add that to the that. regular quest. Plus, you've got all the dungeons that you, that you can run around with, all the sporadic things that could pop up, and it's just it it adds up. <laughs> yeah, for me, simply revealing the map took many many days worth of play you know real-time days because every little spot on the map every little town every little dungeon there was it was a whole new like world that's like a quarter of a game in other games so here's uh, i will defend jason's honor in this yes. regard <laughs> that the the parts of the game where you enter an oblivion gate and you fight the daedric princes and whatever that was so boring. The worst part of the game. Yeah, and it the happened so, and it was so consistently like everything, every time that you hit a story beat, like that's a uh, main main story beat, you had to go do that, which was like a good half hour task. And if you hadn't been grinding, if you didn't go and do one of the guild quests or whatever, then you were woefully underprepared, and you had to sit by that mana fountain until, <laughs> until <laughs> yeah. you know. I oh, mean, man. it was. It became like a real chore hmm. to do those. I can um, see that. So I I can appreciate that perspective. Clearly, that's the wrong way to play that game, though, right? So you just yeah. have to you have to know going into it that this game is not made for you if you're <laughs> if you're trying to play it that way. That's Oblivion. Ninety four percent, seven point zero three million copies sold, plus whatever digital. Because remember, none of these include digital sales. Uh, let's move on to Dan. Yo, Borderlands 2 sucks. <laughs> what? Borderlands 2, 90%, 4.48 million copies plus digital. Weren't you what? so hyped for that? No, I wasn't. No, I thought you were. Why does Borderlands 2 suck so much, and and uh, how does it suck in comparison to Borderlands 1? I'm curious I, to know that. I think for me, it's, it's actually like a well-designed game. I think the writing it turns me off so much. I just think it's so stupid and so ham-fisted. Yeah. And so like I'm trying so desperately hard to make you laugh. Yeah, and there's way more of that and it it makes me so upset to to just hear it. Yeah. Like the tiny teen a bit. I'm like, god, like come on. We've moved past this. Very like, we, we did this like 3 generations ago. Let's get on with our lives. Now, I recognize that there are also a ton of people out there who are like, yo, that was super hilarious, that bit with Tiny Tina. So, so I get that when I say that, I'm probably offending a lot of people. I personally thought it was super, super dumb. Mm. That's that's my take on it. I kind, of, I kind of feel like Tiny Tina is super dumb, and, and a lot of the other characters are really just overwrought and like just just overbearing. You yeah. know, just, just and too it much. And it doesn't go far enough to be B-movie, you know? It's not... It's not that kind. It's like, no, I'm still like, I'm still cool. Wub wub. Yeah, they're still really trying, and they're not just throwing it away. Yeah, we're being stupid. No, they they want you to laugh and think. It's not a so it's not Saints Row. No, it's not Saints Row. It's not sweary. You can't get away with that. Right. It's uh, it's clearly intentional. 
in terms of gameplay? In terms of gameplay, I think it's it's great. Okay. <laughs> I think that you know having bajillions of guns and just the wrong skin on on solid. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, to, to me, that's enough to ruin it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if there's nothing else there, I'm gonna pick uh, the first game that even came to mind when I when I started to put down my list because I consistently hear people go just ape shit about this game like like they can't get enough they have a total boner for it it's the best thing since sliced bread what why is bayonetta good fuck sliced bread it's all about bayonetta Bayonetta sucks bayonetta the character sucks the story is is just it doesn't fit to get it makes no sense the 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 cutscenes and the gameplay is just like her the character design is terrible and annoying to even look at and listen to i can't stand her voice the (laughs) the combat is like it's 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 weirdly complex but but more cumbersome than clever i don't it just the world is are you okay i just don't like bayonetta (laughs) at all and I like the way it plays. I don't. I agree with you about the character. I think she's stupid, and uh, can't stand her. Yeah, she's real stupid. Like, like a really stupid character. Yeah, I can't argue with that. But I feel like it plays well. I feel like the combat system is fun, and it feels like a continuation of the kind of Devil May Cry style of uh, single character action game. But I mean, the thing is, I feel I like know. Devil May Cry is better and and even God of War in terms of just in terms of combat God of War is better and there are so many better third person action fighter type games that are just better and I I don't know why I would play Bayonetta with all the Bayonetta-ness to it <laughs> when I could play something else well, I feel like it, I feel like Bayonetta is more of a cult hit it's it's not exactly. I mean, it's ranked highly. 90%. Yeah, it is ninety percent. And it sold almost two million, which good. But maybe there's two million otaku's who just like Kamiya and really want to follow his every move. See, and I like Kamiya too. Like I like other other Kamiya stuff. Just but like Bayonetta. I, I didn't. None, none of the stuff that you're complaining about really bothered me because I kind of expected that going in. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't expecting like a super serious like take on this i expected raunchiness i expected over the top action i expected all that now is the story weird yes i'm with you on that but i i didn't hate it i didn't hate it i mean it's not i'm not gonna tear down the door and say this bayonetta is the greatest game ever made because it's not but it's it was stupid fun and sometimes the game is just allowed to be stupid and fun that's why you're playing saints row right yeah it's such it's a, a fine line, though, you know? It's it's, it's kind of like third. that Borderlands 2 argument that Dan is making. Like, at what point does it get so ridiculous that it's kind of funny, and at what point is it just so ridiculous that it's stupid? And it's really such a subjective thing, and I just yeah. don't think Bayonetta achieves it. I, really I think maybe, maybe most people can only hand a spe- handle a specific type of stupid, and, and Bayonetta was not it for me. Like, I, I don't even care to look at that game. It's, it's a taste thing. Like he said, it's all yeah. subjective. And you either don't mind the lewdness and the suggestive posing and the fact that her entire body is – her entire suit is made of her own hair and she can manipulate it at will. 
you either let it either bothers you enough that you're just like, ah, I don't want any parts of this, or you're just like, eh, whatever. Now I can use giant hair feet mm. and crush things. <laughs> Maybe it's like you ever you ever just meet a person who you just don't like no matter what like even maybe for no reason just something yeah. about a person you don't like them i think if it was a different character doing all the same exact things as as bayonetta i i think i might like the game okay. i think there's just something about her like if she was a person i wouldn't want to talk to her okay that's understandable <laughs> it rubs you the wrong way yeah something about all that i don't know by the way, I just went back and read my Borderlands 2 review, and I really agree with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Hooray. Good to know. All right, let's move on, because I feel what like I, I went a little bit too hard on that one. Mike, what what uh, what do you find overrated? Um, I was going, I was thinking about going with God, um, God of War 3, but I've never played it, so it's really not fair for me to judge it like that. But um, so I'm instead going to go. In, I'm instead going to go into a different direction, um, with a game that maybe wasn't as popular, like as popular as the bigger franchises of this generation, but still got relative buzz and still made good sales, and people were playing a lot, and I didn't fully understand why, and that was Dead Island. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't particularly care for Dead Island. Because I, the game could be fun sometimes when you're playing with with other people, just running around killing zombies. But there were a ton of glitches in the game, and the story was god-awful. I couldn't stand the, the story. I, there was no way, there was no fleshing out of the main characters. They really didn't give you any reason to make you feel sympathy for them. And they do something, in the end, the, the only reasonable like character or gets like this one character gets like killed off as something horrible happened to them and they show almost no sympathy about it whatsoever hmm. and they were supposed to be like connected to this this character this was supposed to be an ancillary npc character that you were supposed to care about and the main characters were supposed to grow to grow to care about and her and this character's death in the end of the game the the main characters just shrug it off like oh well she's fucked let's get off this island hmm yeah you know i kind of liked playing dead island but I I can't really disagree with you. I feel like the story did suck. The characters did suck. And after a while, the the campaign, like the missions, just started to become boring. And I mean, the game sold 4.08 million, I think. Something like that. Uh, maybe more. Maybe I'm missing, you know, digital sales, PC, that stuff. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It only, it only uh, has a 72% meta score so this is more from like word of mouth yeah more so more so just i'm i don't understand how it sold so many copies yeah, and okay. how so many people kind of seem to like zombies. it and enjoy it and played it yeah and like i mean i guess i could kind of maybe understand a little bit because we were all deceived by that first trailer mm. uh which made it look like it was actually going to be a serious heartfelt like zombie story with emotion and everything and the real story of the actual game had absolutely yeah. None of that. Who was with that first like, trailer? That a was a good completely trailer. opposite direction. Damn. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a like a game that's easy to get over after the initial, you know, however many, however much time you put into it. It's it kind of seems like Dying Light, which is coming out relatively soon, is the game that they wanted to make yeah. to begin with. Uh, so it's just you know a bit of trial and error to get there, and Dead Island was the first of those trials okay. and errors. 
Yeah, I feel that. Um, I guess we you're not getting much uh much more conversation out of that one. Good. So let's let's go back to Anthony. Um, I think at this point we're getting to be a little long. Let, let's move a little bit quicker. Just give us uh, your next overrated game and a, just a quick explanation, and we're not going to really chime in much. Okay. Uh, let's see what uh, I had the unfinished swan on okay. here. Um, I thought. I mean, it it looks incredible. I love, I love the visual effect of when you're painting the world, but I I feel like that mechanic itself, painting the world. And then I think at some point you start like moving objects down the river or something like that. None of it felt interesting to me. Uh, it really just looked and sounded really good, and the substance wasn't there for me. It, I didn't have fun. I didn't have fun painting the world. I enjoyed seeing what was happening, but I didn't have fun doing it. I didn't have fun interacting with things. And I mean, that's the main reason why it didn't really grab me. Okay. All right. That was about eighty percent meta score, and we don't know really no sales. I had a lot of fun with that one, but I, I definitely feel what you're saying. Um, let's, let's just go on to uh, Jason. Give us another overrated game. Final Fantasy Thirteen really took everything that I liked about Final Fantasy and stomped it. <laughs> right, so that's at 83% and 6.96 million. It I totally just, agree with you. <laughs> ugh, it, was, it was not what I wanted it, we're going back to Final Fantasy. You remember? No, you're not. No, you didn't. It was not what there, I wanted at all. Yeah, there was nothing, no semblance of what anyone loved about Final Fantasy ever made its way into Final Fantasy thirteen. Uh, I, I don't think. Do any of you guys feel differently about that? Yo, the characters in that game suck. Okay. Yep. Oh man, Snow. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, but oh. lightning was so hot though. Oh god. All right, <laughs> next. <laughs> next. Dan, do you have any more overrated games, or are we moving past you? Braid. That, that's a oh, boy. Uh, it is. I couldn't even take that one seriously. <laughs> no, I don't, not really. All right, um, I'm going to give you guys, I don't know, let's say enslaved Odyssey to the West, mostly from critical conversation, 83%. Um, it only sold 970,000 copies, so I, I guess it's sort of a weird one to call overrated, but I never hear anything but love for it, and I think that bothers me because I found the two main components of play, which are its traversal climbing system and its combat, to both be terrible. Um, so I, I, I was into the story, and I wanted to play the story and, and learn about the characters. I thought the characters were incredible, and I, I really liked them. And I never finished the game, um, because mostly because the combat was just abysmal to me. Um, the, the traversal was more of a, a pet peeve, because I really like those types of games. Like, I'm a huge Prince of Persia fan, and... Um, for the same reason I didn't really get down with the 2008 Prince of Persia, because it's mostly just kind of like autopilot, and Enslaved was even more so. You just kind of press the direction, and it goes. And that was just that was too much for me to, to handle. And then the combat was just, just so weird. It was like strangely complex, but dumb at the same time. And I, I don't really know of a better way to describe it, but it just didn't work. Um, maybe it was... It was just, it was cumbersome, it was awkward, it was like a, a an awkward teenager <laughs> combat system or something. So that, that's where I stand with Enslaved. 
but I, I wish I loved. honestly didn't even play it. I think that's you know it was played by so few folks that there's there's not a, there's not a huge positive or negative reaction to it really. There's just yeah what the critics have said. That that's probably really what it is. It's what I've heard from from critics, which yeah. is more positive than I would say. Um, all right, uh, Mike, you have another one for us. Uh, has Far Cry Three been mentioned yet? Not yet. Then I'm gonna go with Far Cry Three. All right, nine uh, percent meta uh, meta score and five point four nine million copies sold, so a significant number higher than uh, Enslaved. Yeah. Now, I really did like Far Cry 3. I enjoyed running around and doing all the hunting and uh, liberating all the towers, and I loved the gunplay and the combat, but the one reason why I feel like it's overrated is because of its main character. Oh, yeah, that guy sucks. And the story in general, right? Yeah. It's bad. I mean, Voss, as the villain, had one of the best performances I've... It's one of the, He's one of the best villains I've seen of this generation, mm-hmm. but he he's... His counterpoint in in Brody is just so annoying. He is everything you don't want a main character to be. He's he's not endearing at all. He's essentially a rich, privileged like uh, like trust fund kid who like has the best girlfriend, has all the awesome grades, has all the money in the world to take as many exotic trips as he wants, and all he wants to do is just get off the island for himself. He gives mm-hmm. no crap about the struggles of the people around him in this gritty, terrible situation he's in. All he is, all he's about is like, yeah, I get to kill people now. Like he made such a quick transition to, and I don't know if I can kill people. Being like, yes, slaughtering people is awesome. I don't yeah. care if you're starving to death in this little village because I'm killing mercenaries, and then I'm gonna get out of here and go back to my awesome life. <laughs> and it, it was just so. I couldn't get behind him as much as I tried and as much as I wanted to. He just kept getting me getting on my nerves and aggravating me yeah or he could stay he could stay on the island but i think the thing is like he he did change but there was no growth and development it was just like it was like a a light switch almost he's just there was nothing there um and and just to go back to voss i don't even think voss was a great villain um i don't think that he was a great villain because of writing i think that that entire character was thanks to the the voice actor. There there was nothing that the writing did to make Voss great that that wasn't accomplished simply because of the acting. In my I feel like he was underutilized. So yeah, I, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but at a certain point he's just meaningless. And it's like you had right. this great villain, or you had this great performance at least, and now you're not even using him. That's probably the best thing about your narrative. Right, and you're just completely ignoring him. And it's yeah. because it wasn't. It wasn't the narrative; it was simply the the actor. Sure, yeah. So, on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved uh, shooting, uh, hunting, and and all that stuff. Getting new weapons and climbing and exploring. So, I mean, it's not all bad, obviously. Um, okay, back up to Anthony. Give me another one. Oh, they're overrated. Well, yeah. Oh, let's let's just go with uh, the one that isn't special. If you know what I mean. Well, I think one's going to show up when we talk about underrated, so I'm not going to bring it up yet. Because I think go. some of you guys think this is yeah. underrated, and I said overrated. Okay. Yep. But, uh, yes. I mentioned Left for Dead. Uh, and maybe mm. it's my thing about zombies and just... I, I don't... 
this was like right in the middle of the zombie craze, right? When this was coming out and people were really into that. And as much fun as it is to play that game with others, I can't get over the fact that it's, it almost feels mindless in some way. It just shooting zombies and I, maybe I didn't have the right people to play with because it didn't feel like we were working together much. So it just, it just felt like shooting at zombies and not much else. I didn't, I didn't feel like there's a lot of depth there. And that could be just because who I was playing with and how I was interacting with that game. But I didn't feel like any depth was there behind um, the gameplay systems. Okay. I, I would disagree with that because I played, <clears throat> I played Left 4 Dead with my friends re- a lot, and we were really good. We even tried to do get on game battles and see if we were good enough for MLG, and then we just got trounced. And we thought we were good. And the the game, the way that the gameplay system works is that with all the with the different classes of zombies, it's really strategic if you have the right people. It's all about knowing what each different type of zombie can do and knowing where the best points to ambush people are, where you can trap them into luring a horde into, into themselves and cornering people and separating people. So there was definitely a lot of strategy, at least from the zombie side, trying to figure out where can we get the best ambush? Where can, can you pull this guy here? Can we get them into this corner? Can we drag them over to this car that would set off an alarm that would cause a horde that would separate the rest of them? Then we can jump on a straggler. Um, and there were only certain parts in, in certain maps where there were opportune moments to strike. And with the um, being the human side, it was all about being able to stick together and not get yourself cornered and be ready to, to like jump on any of the other human characters who get on you as soon as possible not making any stupid mistakes so are you talking you're talking about the mode where uh some people are playing at the zombies and some people are playing as the humans right yeah the versus so so is that like the main well then then maybe that's my problem is that is that the main thing people were obsessed with and i just because i remember most of what i played for left for dead was with people but not against other humans right i think it i think it was for all the modes i kind of feel like but and like but I felt there more of a there was more of a challenge in the versus mode. Yeah, maybe I just didn't put enough hours into versus mode to because I thought that was a cool idea. I thought that was cool how you could you had zombies and humans both controlled by player characters. But I didn't. I honestly didn't play that a whole lot, and it was mostly the normal like kind of horde type of thing where you're just you and a few guys and against uh, AI. So I mean, maybe that's why. I don't know, at at 89% and who knows how many copies sold, I kind of, I felt like it was right where it should have been. I I thought it was really interesting and and a lot of fun to play initially, and I only played the co-op at any great length. I I didn't really care for the versus mode at all, so I would say the opposite of Mike. Um, But it just kind of like, it was was like a, I don't know, it was like a one-hit wonder. It it came and went, and then I was over it. Okay. <laughs> Dan and Jason don't care. Um, no, I mean I played Left 4 Dead. It was it was fun. Yeah. The only the only good thing I got out of Left 4 Dead was 
modding it on my PC so that all the zombies are Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes the game a whole lot better. There's the game. Uh, I apparent, to apparently, any game where you mod Randy Savage in makes it a lot better. Exactly. <laughs> right. All right, exactly. Jason. Do you have any more overrateds? I have one. It's kind of a joke, but I put Duke Nukem Forever as overrated because it did sell 1.75 million copies. What the hell is wrong with you people? Uh, and yep. it came in at 49% Metascore. So basically, this one just shouldn't have been made. Right. Okay. <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, what? Does does he think that people liked it? No, I get it. Dan, have you come up with any, or are we still just... of Oh, of overrated? Yeah. No, I love every game. Okay, I love that. Positive <laughs> any of us. Um, I'm gonna run through just a couple of mine because this will be our last. Can I can I say Dark Souls? Is that fair? Sure. I'm just gonna say, uh, just say stuff that Eddie likes. You you can <laughs> do that. I'm gonna say Peggle because because <laughs> it's 89 percent on on XBLA and I hate Peggle. It's not fun in any so way. So addictive. It is not fun in any way. All it is is just clicking a thing and letting things happen in front of you. You're not doing anything, but it's stupid. I don't like Peggle. Um, <laughs> and I've always hated Peggle from the beginning. That was my my first gaming bane was Peggle. And then another one is weird because it only scored uh, 79% aggregate score. Sold 1.27 million copies on the Wii. Um... I'm a fan of the franchise, Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Um, and the reason I say Shattered Memories is because in game journalist circles, it is it gets a lot of praise. Probably it is probably just a rubber banding back and forth from, you know, what the the sales were. I mean, I guess 1.27 million isn't terrible, but it's not as good as uh, maybe some people would have liked and 79% is not terrible either, but you know, People try really praise it for a few things, namely the the psychological profiling at the beginning, um, and some of the the sort of uh, I guess paranormal effects and stuff throughout the game, and the fact that there isn't combat and you're you're mostly running away. And I, I dig all that stuff. I'm I'm down with it, and I think it was a good approach to a horror game. Um, however actually controlling the game was a worse nightmare than any horror game I would ever play. <laughs> I I will have more bad dreams about trying to control Shattered Memories on the Wii than Jason will about Amnesia or Slenderman. And that's that's all I have to say about that. It just was not there I just couldn't enjoy controlling it. It was terrible. And and you know, to re re uh, butt against the claims about the psychological profile and stuff, that wasn't that revolutionary either. It was it was interesting and cool, but it wasn't mind blowing. So that is that. And Mike, what you got for us? Uh, I'm gonna go. I've got two that I could right. that I can sure. come up with right now. If you want me to fire them off real quick. Yeah. Uh, the first one was, which is even a shock to me for saying this, but I'm going to say Dragon Age Origins. Oh, we, uh, we actually man. mentioned that. Earlier. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Yeah, we had a long discussion about that. All right, so good. Quick, quick reason. Um, I feel like the console version was made too di- way too difficult, and although some of the plot twists in the beginning were amazing, uh, eventually once you got to like, once I got to explore more of like the the regular world, I just. I kind of lost interest in the story. Okay. I don't know you what it was for a the long story time. No? Just, I put about I think like twenty hours into okay. the game, and 
I just I couldn't with the the diff, the story was okay, but it wasn't strong enough for me to be able to put up with the difficulty. Okay. So much. And that's what really bothered me. I feel like if it was made easier to control, well, uh, at least the console versions like the PC version was, I wouldn't have had I might not have had such a problem with it. Okay. Uh the other one that I have um hopefully this one wasn't mentioned was uh Fable 2. Oh, okay. No, we um, mentioned that. And Fable 2's issues for me was, um, although the dog was awesome, uh, you know, Fable games, uh, and, I, and I have a strange relationship. I like to play them, and then I finish them, and I'm like, what did I really get out of it? Like, I, I, I kind of enjoy playing through them, but I don't, I'm never too connected to the story, and I absolutely hated the ending to the game. Because you're in this room, you kill you kill the villain, and now you have like his power, and you can decide. You and you're given you can do anything you want. Basically, you have like unlimited power, and you're you have a choice to be greedy to save your family or save everybody but your family, and that included your your dog, and your dog's dead. And if you choose not to bring like your or your dog back or whatever, you can't play with your dog for the rest of the game. <laughs> what? Which was the entire oh, freaking point of the game. That was the biggest one of the biggest driving selling points of the game was your dog companion. Oh, so geez. why would That's you do crazy. that? No, and my I, other I, big problem. I remember that as well. Yeah. And my other big problem with the choice is, so you mean to tell me I can bring millions of people back from the dead, but I can't bring back the two or three people that are my family as well? Yeah, like I have the power to bring back millions, but I'm not allowed to bring back the extra three. That sucks. Like what in the hell? And then I ended. I remember I made the choice to save everybody else, and then I was so devastated by the fact that my family was was dead, and the fact that I didn't have my dog to play with, that I basically lost all interest in playing and just stopped, and it just left me with a very bitter taste in my mouth. Mm. You know, I I thought about including either Fable Two or Fable Three on my list, uh, but I think. That's sort of universally understood, at least in game critics, <laughs> that like they miss the mark, especially in Fable 2's ending. And there's like all these promises clearly that Peter Molyneux has made, that, you know, don't come to fruition. And and there's this huge attempt at humanity, you know, creating humanity, uh, replicating it in some fashion uh, that is also not lived up to. Um, and you know they just end up coming up with some hackneyed system, you know, like press L two to do a fart dance and make people laugh, and then they'll love you, you know, like yeah, doesn't work that way though, because yeah, because that's how life is. So yeah, now I want to I want to say something about Fable too, also, because I actually I played and finished and very much enjoyed Fable, um, and I played and finished Fable too, yet. When Mike was just describing it, I couldn't remember anything about the game except it's like Fable, it has a dog, and the ending was what the ending is. So that's got to say something. And the game was rated 89% and has sold uh, about 4.13 million copies. And I just, I feel like the magic was just lost. And the the dog was, you know, I like dogs, but the dog was nothing special for the game. And I thought that the magic system was really good. <laughs> besides that. But the magic of the game was not there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I agree with you on that one. Anybody else? 
I was just thinking about, I don't know, did anyone play Darksiders 2? No, yeah, I no. want to, though. You know, I, I would say don't. Uh, I love Darksiders 1. Okay, I also like Darksiders when I did not like Darksiders 2. It's one of those it. it's one of those things where they sort of exhausted all of the like deuterocanonical biblical references that you mm-hmm. would know that mm-hmm. any normal person would know in the first one. You right. know, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, they're Got even it. going out on a limb with Samael, right? And then uh you know, the second one, I mean, they're reaching deep into like some super obscure Catholic liturgy from the 15th century to find some of their like arch demons and things. So it's, it's, it's super, super not relatable. And do um, they not work without that, that Yeah, reference? totally not. Yeah. Uh. Cause, cause then otherwise it's, it's just a, a another fantasy world with okay. you know, sort of a, that they don't really bother going into the post-apocalypse side of it because your death and this is you know it's not that story um so it's more just about the fantasy worlds but it's there's no real grounding i guess is the, God, the issue so that i have with to it. hear yeah i'm still gonna it's, play it's it, more about like you can't hey, stop how, me. Many, how many skeletons can we throw on the screen you cannot stop me dan no matter how much you keep talking <laughs> about how bad it is i will play that game one day and cry about it on my own good, good. <laughs> um I just want to mention one. We got through Twitter. Uh, Mass Effect 3, overrated. Boring to me. To be honest, only played eight hours worth, and that's from Jordan. It's Jordan Bro. Jordan, who writes for our site. I don't know Jordan. how to pronounce his last name. Jordan Clow. Clow. Clow, Clow. Clow. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jordan. We, we don't know how to pronounce your last name. It's probably super simple. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's It's Jordan Bro on Twitter. Mass Effect 3, though, huh? Yeah. It must, I, it must and not be because the- of the ending. Oh yeah, he said he only played really. eight hours. Boring yeah. to me. And uh, you know, I have to agree. I uh, I played Mass Effect One. Was got into it. You know, I was still on that Bioware kick. Um, I, there were problems with it. Um, but then Mass Effect Two, I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I wrote that review for us, and uh, I definitely uh, praised it. And then Three, just like it, it, the magic was over again for me. I don't know. And like the story, it had been. I played it late or something. I don't know. Like it, I wasn't really super uh, committed to seeing that story through to the end. Huh. Yeah. So that was I that. Know. As much as much as I dislike the ending of Mass Effect Three, I would never. I don't think I would ever say that it was un- overrated. Because uh. I still think the story up until that ending, I still loved. I still loved the gameplay. I still loved the characters, and the co-op was one of the best. Uh, co-op games, yeah, like the best online really cool. multiplayer co-op Surprising games I've ever played in my life. And honestly, if anything, I feel like the game got more hatred than love, so calling it overrated might be difficult for I me. I feel like everyone, yeah, yeah, remembers that ending and how they don't like it and forget that... I mean, leaning up, I'm, I'm with Mike. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, so... Not everyone doesn't like it, but that I've said enough about yeah, that. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> yep. I know that. Oh my god. The concept about the ending... Is is fine. It's just the what people complain about the the visual presentation. Yeah. yeah. Eh. All right. Yeah. So we've spent a lot of time here. We're gonna totally take our underrated games and save them for the next show, which we will come back at you with uh, as soon as we can. But for now, those are our overrated games, and we're gonna lighten the mood next time on episode thirty-three. 
Be sure to visit us at GamerNode.com and to rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. It'll really help. We'll really appreciate it. If you have anything that you want us to talk about in the future, definitely hit us up at versusnode at gamernode.com. That's V-S-N-O-D-E at gamernode.com. And we will definitely see you real soon with our underrated games. For now, this is Eddie Zotto, Editor-in-Chief Gamernode, saying thanks for listening. We got more coming. Thank you, Jason, Anthony, Dan, and Murph. Um, Let's get out of here and prepare our lists for underrated games. Let's be leaving in a spaceship. Wow.